All relationships have perpetual problems, but when do perpetual problems become dangerous? When do we need to worry? Perpetual problems become problematic when both partners get so entrenched in their positions that they go into something called gridlock. And gridlock leads to emotional disengagement. On today's episode, we're going to dive deep into gridlock and how to handle those major problems in your relationship that you've been avoiding. Did you know the average couple waits six years to get help in their marriage? Yeah, that's six years of pain, hurt, and frustration. Hi there, I'm Charlotte Snow. And I'm Robert Snow. And welcome to Master Your Marriage. Where we believe that having an amazing marriage should never feel like hard work and shouldn't be a guessing game. This is the show for married couples who want to discover a scientifically proven approach to building a masterful marriage and have fun while doing it. So if that's you, you're in the right place. Let's dive in. So I'm pretty excited about today's episode, and I think it's going to be a really good one. Yeah, and I think it's going to be super important as well. So we're going to talk about three things. Well, maybe more, but time, sex, and money. And these three things are the source of most marriage problems. Take, for example, Blake and Rebecca. Blake and Rebecca have been married for about 12 years, and they have two young children. Blake owned his own medical practice and was highly oriented toward work, and success. He mm-hmm. was very ambitious. Rebecca had some different goals. She valued time together as a family and it wasn't happening. Problem. She described her husband as a workaholic. She felt like he was out of touch with life at home. He didn't have much knowledge about her day-to-day life, her hobbies or her friends. And he was sort of missing a lot. He missed the kids' sports and school events and he often got home after dinner and the kids were already in bed. And Rebecca started feeling emotionally disconnected from Blake. Intimate moments were becoming farther and farther apart. And Rebecca worried that their marriage was no longer a priority for Blake. Blake, for his part, he sort of felt isolated and alone, like his family was different and he was an outsider. And they fought constantly about Blake's lack of time and attention he gave to his family. Those fights always led to one another vilifying each other and then growing more and more distance between them each time they'd have this disagreement. Yeah. And some, you know, it's interesting because some form or version of this problem plays out in many of the couples that we end up coaching. Yeah. Relationship problems happen to all of us and relationship problems are absolutely normal. We all have them, but there's a big difference in how successful couples do these conflicts. One of the things we've shared on this podcast many, many times over and over is that problems aren't the problem. Problems actually provide adaptive value to the individuals who are in the relationship. They increase our capacity to love and find mutual understanding for one another. They essentially grow us up and they help us to become a more tolerant, more flexible, and better version of ourselves. I think I heard a quote once, which was interesting. Somebody said, oh, yeah, now we're having problems and it's time to grow. Mm-hmm. And I think if you look at your disagreements as an opportunity to create deeper understanding and deeper empathy and maybe fill it, color in your partner's love maps just a little bit more, mm-hmm. then then I think it's a perspective thing. But everybody has problems. All relationships have problems. doesn't matter the type of relationship, but they all have problems. And so as we often say, you, when you pick someone to have a a relationship with, you inherently pick the problems that you're going to have for the next 20, 30, or 40 years. And well, 
if you don't like those problems, you can pick somebody else, but you'll just have a different set of problems mm-hmm. for the next 20. Exactly. Years. Yep. So how do successful couples differ in how they manage these inevitable problems that we're all going to have? And to answer that, we first have to talk a little bit about the three different types of conflict. So conflicts can be one, solvable, two, perpetual, or three, gridlocked. So we probably should define these. Yes. So solvable means that the problem can be managed with a compromise and or negotiation. And while these problems often are easier to manage, they should not be ignored because when you ignore a solvable problem, they just grow into bigger problems. Yeah, exactly. Now, what's perpetual mean? Perpetual means that you can make strides in how you might be managing and dealing with that problem, but the issue itself never really seems to totally go away. Yeah, why is that? These are problems that continue to surface year after year in relationships that never really get solved. And what's really interesting is that perpetual problems happen in about 69% of our conflicts. This was one of the really big things that came out of the Gottman research was that only 31% of problems in relationships were actually solvable. The other 69% were not, even in totally healthy, strong relationships. So most of our problems are never really going to be solved. We just need to manage them. Exactly. And that's why it's so important to focus on managing problems rather than solving problems. Perpetual problems aren't managed properly, then they're going to turn into what we call gridlock problems. Gridlock problems really are just what it sounds like. It's a perpetual problem that's been mishandled, usually ignored. And then frustration and resentment and anger kind of set in, usually around this one problem. And usually in a relationship, there's multiple areas of this, right? Then you're mad about this problem because you don't see eye to eye. You don't know why they're doing it. And then you get this emotional disengagement, like, well, I just don't care. And that can lead to this cascade of isolation and distance where then couples just avoid talking. And then eventually they just really become emotionally disengaged. Right. So take, for instance, another couple example. Martha and Steve fought so long about money that they had become totally gridlocked. And now they were just avoiding the topic completely. But it was kind of impossible to avoid the money topic completely. So that would be tough. You know, that only works for so long. And so, of course, it would inevitably come up again. And Steve would say, hey, Martha, we've got to talk about this problem. And Martha would instantly start to get so much anxiety about it that she actually would become physically ill and shut down. And so perpetual problems, again, are normal. They're in every relationship. And when they're managed properly, they don't really have to derail the relationship. Gridlock problems, as we mentioned, they can become disastrous. That is why it is so important that we have the skills to move problems out of the gridlock stage. Yes. There is something really interesting to note about all gridlocked problems. Regardless of what it is, whether it's sex or money or parenting or whatever that problem may be, they all have one major thing in common. The thing they have in common is that people have these gridlock problems are not really talking about what the position means to them. For example, most conflicts about money are about the meaning of money, not really the money itself. Money can mean hundreds of different things. It can mean power and freedom and independence. But when a couple is stuck in gridlock, 
It's not usually the problem itself. It's the meaning behind the problem that is keeping them stuck. And when a problem is gridlocked, the reason why nobody is compromising or negotiating is they feel like they would be selling themselves out it to do so. There's something there. There's a core value or a need or belief that is behind that position, and they don't want to give they, because they feel like they'd be giving up a piece of their identity if they were to compromise. Yeah, something that's super important to them. Right. So over time, people can become even more entrenched in their positions because they just want to dig in. And the disagreements become more and more heated and negative because it's just the same old tired problem over and over again. Exactly. And Dr. John Gottman uses an analogy for this, and it's two fists that represent this gridlock problem. Imagine there are two fists clenched tightly against one another with no room for movement. One is yours and the other is your partner's. And within each of these fists, there's a core value or need or dream. By unclenching the fists and opening up the hands and showing what's inside through honest communication, it's possible to transform these gridlocked issues into more constructive dialogue. But you know what? Most couples really never get to the heart of it. Most couples never get to the real conversation, which is to talk about the dream that is behind that conflict. Unfortunately, most couples see their dreams in opposition with one another, and they become more and more entrenched in their position. They fear accepting any influence from their partner because, well, if they did, they'd be giving up a part of themselves, one of their core beliefs. So they resort to vilifying their partner. They use criticism, contempt, defensiveness, which all leads to emotional disengagement. And when that happens, the relationship becomes the kind of place where dreams are crushed. Yeah, we don't want that. And you don't want a relationship, right, where you win, but you wind up crushing your partner's dreams in the process. We all want to strive for the kind of relationship where we look for a win-win, where we can support each other's dreams. And to do that, we have to start talking about what's held in the fist, the dreams, the values, and the needs that are so core to who both of you are. That way, you can start figuring out how to create win-wins that won't crush one another. And this is why this is one of my very favorite processes that we do with our coaching clients. And this is something that we're going to share with you right now. Absolutely. So what you want to do is take turns being the listener and the speaker and then set up some ground rules before you begin. The purpose of this conversation is to create a place where emotional safety exists, where positivity exists and where the four horsemen can't come riding in. Agree that you'll take turns being the speaker and each person will have ample time to share their position. When you're the speaker, your job is to speak honestly about your feelings and your beliefs about your position, but do not argue. You do also don't want to try to persuade your partner at this point. We're not trying to solve anything at this point. Our, our only objective is to simply understand each other. So you'll want to suspend all attempts to persuade one another at this point. So be sure to speak about what your position means to you. And you must be clear and honest. What do you really want about this issue? Why is this issue so important to you? Is it for a sense of freedom? Is it to experience peace? Is it to have a sense of order for quietness? What is it that is your dream around this issue? Yeah. And again, as the speaker, 
What are your core beliefs? What are your ethics? What are your values that relate to your position? Is there maybe even a story behind this for you? Maybe a story that relates to your background or your childhood in some way? And again, be clear and be honest, but do not argue or persuade. Just explain your position as you see it. When you're the listener, on the other hand, your main job is to make your partner feel safe enough to be able to tell you what's in their fist, what's their position on this issue. And you want to listen as though you're a friend rather than a foe, like you're listening to someone you really love. So also as the listener, you can contribute to the climate of this conversation. So you need to maintain an open stance. Your words and your body language are super important. Imagine if you're listening to a friend, not a foe. Hear, but don't judge. Absolutely suspend judgment. Right now, your only job is try to understand how and why this issue is so important to the person that you love. And equally important, do not try to solve anything. Again, it's much too early for that. We cannot solve what we first do not understand. So the purpose for this conversation, again, needs to be to just seek understanding. That's it. So seek to understand and do that by being interested. So as the listener, you can ask a number of positive questions. For example, so tell me why this issue is so important to you. Mm -hmm. Or what feelings do you have about this issue? Is there a deeper purpose or a a deeper meaning? Anything that would help your partner know that they're safe and sharing their dreams and their needs with you. And once the speaker is done, then you can switch roles and follow those same instructions in the reverse position. Once you fully understand your partner's position, you might, might be ready for a compromise. But that is a discussion for next week's episode. What's important for you to know before you can ever compromise is that understanding must precede compromise or any kind of solution seeking. Until you can fully step into your partner's shoes and see the world the way that he or she sees it, you're not going to be ready to be able to effectively negotiate. Yeah, and that's so important. So back to our original story. After doing this exercise, Blake became more understanding and empathetic. He remembered Rebecca was someone he loved rather than his adversary. Through this exercise, he was able to realize her core values were family and love. Family brought her peace and stillness. It brought her life, purpose, and meaning. And Rebecca also softened. She saw Blake in a new light. She realized that, you know, one of his core values was making a difference in the world, Mm -hmm. that he wanted to leave a legacy and make an impact, and that he wanted to leave his profession better than he found it. From this place of deeper understanding and love, Blake and Rebecca did come up with a temporary compromise. We'll tell you more about that on the next episode. Yes. Right now, it's really too soon to talk about compromise. Because understanding comes first. Understanding precedes compromise. This week, we encourage you to find a problem in each of your relationships and try this process out. And just notice how seeking to understand each other deepens your compassion and strengthens your bond of love. This is the magic of conflict. It really does have the potential to stretch us into becoming a better version of ourselves. I think that wraps up this episode. What do you think? I think so. And thank you for joining us today. If this episode resonated with you, 
please drop us a five-star review and share something you found valuable in this episode. As always, be kind to each other, take care of each other, put each other first, and it is the small and simple things every day that create strong relationships. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Master Your Marriage. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, then we want to hear from you. Just go to MasterYourMarriagePodcast.com and send us your question. Oh, and while you're there, you can also check out our retreats and events and even apply for coaching. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get advanced notice of when the next episode drops, plus show notes and many extras. Thanks again for tuning in.